This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. I uh, drew your attention earlier on in the program to Eric Engels' Q&A with Martin St. Louis, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Habs in action tonight. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey against the Toronto Maple Leafs. 7 o'clock puck drop. Uh, pre-game is 6.30 Eastern. And there's one section here um, that I want to read to you as I bring Eric aboard. Eric Engels from Sportsnet.ca, senior uh, columnist. Uh, first of all, Eric, how are you today? Good to hear your voice. I'm doing great, Jeff. Great to catch up with you. Great to catch up with you. So there's one thing that I want to share with our with our audience here, radio and television and podcast. Um, this is one of the answers about speed and structure, this question about how Martin St. Louis is getting his players to play. And it's Martin St. Louis, so get ready to go to school and learn something. This is Marty St. Louis. Uh, your brain has to be working and your feet have to be processing what your brain is seeing to get to the right place at the right time. It's harder to do now. There's a lot of chess in the game now, and to me, it's about getting to the right spots at the right time with and without the puck. Sometimes you get there early, but, and here's the money line, sometimes you get there early, but being on time is better than being there early and flat-footed. That is such a Martin St. Louis observation, and it actually leads to a bigger discussion, which is, I think the way we judge assists is really wrong in the game. But nonetheless, um, just isolating that one moment here, Eric, it's a great Q&A. Like, what's going through your mind when you're hearing Martin St. Louis talk about this specifically? I mean, it's, it's not new to me, right? Because since he's been there for the last year and a half, uh, everything that he's focused on is on the mental connection of his players and playing in space. Uh, a couple things come to mind is the way soccer players approach playing soccer, uh, the way they use open space and the arrival on time in certain areas in open space give you the benefit of producing chances. And uh, like you just mentioned assists. Like I look at Connor Bedard's assist, his first assist in the NHL, uh, great play by him, but look at the guy arriving in space as he dishes the puck off to get that open lane towards the net before Donato pops it in. That's exactly what he's talking about. It's about not only skating and using your speed, but using it with intention uh, and using your timing so that you're, you're in connection with the other guys on the ice. And we have an old saying that I think Martin St. Louis and Adam Nicholas, who works in development with the Canadians, has completely broken down and, and gotten rid of as a, as a trope, which is that hockey sense can't be taught. And they believe that it can. And for those who have it, it they're refining it. And for those who have less of it, um, they, can, they can find ways to teach it. You know, we used to say that, just as a quick aside, Eric, we used to always say that about shooting. We used to say that about, you know, the great goal scorers in the game. What was the old line that everybody fraudulently believed? I did growing up because I had been brought up, you know, listening to, to nonsense like this. You can't teach touch. You know, you're a born goal scorer. No, you're not. You're a born goal scorer. Everyone can work on all these different skills. And when I hear that about, you know, the, the, the mental game, I say the same thing. Every, hockey sense can be taught, just like shooting can be taught, just like awareness can be taught. And, you know, Brett Hall used to have the, uh, the great line, and it, it talks about sort of arriving at that spot suddenly and using your space and arriving on time and not arriving early and being flat-footed and waiting and then getting covered. He used to say, you know, sometimes the best way to be in the play is to be out of the play. And that was 
that was Brett Hall's genius. He would vanish. Suddenly he would appear. Oates would put the puck on his stick at that perfect time. And then a red light would go on. You know, like that's that that's what I think of when I hear Marty St. Louis talk about, you know, um, arriving on time because Hall talked about it in a different way. Um, every market has one player that everybody gets on and it almost it almost becomes like that one player is the singular player audit of the entire organization. Is that player Yuri Slavkovsky for the Montreal Canadiens? In some senses, yes, just because of the profile of first overall pick and the pressure that they're under to develop him and turn him into what everyone expects him to be, including themselves. In other senses, it could be Justin Barron, a guy who's a 21-year-old defenseman who people have expectations of and don't see those expectations being fulfilled and are curious, you know, is this really the player that they, you know, got from Colorado? going to turn into one that can be a regular in the NHL? I think the potential is there, but... Like in Montreal versus maybe some of those other markets, you could be the, it, the, the spotlight is certainly brighter and hotter uh, on top of Slavkovsky. Um, but even a guy like Barron's under it too and feeling the heat. So it, it's, it's a good question, but I would, I would suggest, yes, there, there's a lot of it on your eyes, Slavkovsky. And there's a lot of progress that's been made in the player from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, in your Q&A with San Louis at sportsnet.ca, San Louis talks about, you know, the team and taking the next step and, and ready. To t- what is the next step for this team right now? You know, I wish they, they would more specifically define it. I certainly understand what they mean. They want to take the next step in terms of the growth of their team and collective game. And within that, have each individual kind of move forward. But I think you do need to set specific expectations and goals in terms of results in order to achieve things. Mm -hmm. And I think internally they're doing that. Externally, they're managing expectations. Um, This is not a team that's going into the year saying, okay, we know what everybody's saying to us and we're just going to feed right into that, land ourselves in a top five position for draft and uh, continue to collect the assets because we're in a rebuild. This is a team that yeah. is not approaching the season that way. They, they don't believe that it's a given they're going to miss the playoffs. They're not willing to say outright that they're going to make them, and I think we probably both agree it's a real long shot for them to do it, especially with the division they're playing in this year. But division, I, Division's hard. Yeah, but like if you look at the Canadians as a healthy roster, and they are for the first time in about three years. They were they the most nine games locked over the last two years, each year individually. This is a team that can be dangerous and can compete with just about any team. Whether or not they end up on the winning side, more often than not, we'll find out. I I suspect it won't be the case because there's still some growing pains to go through on the defensive side and with goaltending. But I don't know. Like, the sum of the parts and the way they play together, I I think you'll see a a bit of that tonight against Toronto, and, and we'll see where they take it from there. Uh, with Eric Engels, uh, senior columnist, sportsnet.ca. Check out his latest, a Q&A with Martin St. Louis, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Habs in action tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Um, when we look at this Montreal Canadiens team, we'll talk a lot about Nick Suzuki, rightfully so. We'll talk about Cole Caulfield, rightfully so. Uh, some other young players, we'll talk about Kirby Doc. I think we're all curious to see how Alex Newhook uh, fits into this equation and can they... 
you know, can can his potential be achieved here uh, with the Montreal Canadiens? He'll be given every opportunity, unlike uh, in Colorado, where he was playing essentially at times with the traveling all-star team and having a tough time to find a, a consistent spot in the lineup at the elite level. Um, but is there one player, you know, outside of the, the headline makers that you look at, and maybe for me it's Michael Matheson, but is there one player you look at and you say, you know what, don't sleep on this guy. He may have a big year. Uh, and Matheson would be the first one because I think what he started proving last year is he's not just the number one defenseman by default, and he can lean more heavily into that mm-hmm. this year. I mean, he, he has the ability to control the game. He really does. And if he stays healthy, look for him to do exactly that at times. Caden Gooley's the other. I mean, what he showed in mm-hmm. his rookie season and what he was exposed to should bring him to the next level. And I think there's more detail entering into the equation, you know, your first year, no matter how good you are, you're learning the league. Now he's learned a fair amount, and he can focus in on the details, tendencies of certain players that he hadn't played before, and now he has. And that's a big factor in learning how to defend at this level and becoming a lead at it. And then he has every attribute to be an elite player. And uh, I don't care what the analytics or stats will say at the end of the year based on you know who he's paired with and, and you know how it goes defensively and how many goals he's on the ice for. He's going to play a lot. He's going to play in every situation. And every single element that you would look for in a number one defenseman and leader is, is right within his possession. I think he's such an impressive player, and he's going to turn a lot of heads this year. Um, what's the season look like for the, for the Montreal Canadiens? And, and I'm curious about two players specifically expectations we'll we'll end on this one got about a minute and a half expectations for kirby doc and expectations for alex newhart thoughts uh the first guy i mean kirby doc took a big step last year and i think he's ready to expand on that and i'm going to talk about both of them together because they came in under very similar circumstances from teams where the expectations were high they were high picks in the 2019 draft uh, they didn't necessarily live up to them in those places, and they weren't necessarily slotted into places in the lineup in, with their respective teams where they could blossom offensively. Uh, there was a benefit to that, though, and and I think we saw that with Doc last year, and we're going to see it with Newhook this year. They had to learn the details of the game and play in other roles that would require them to contribute details mm-hmm. outside of just scoring. And that was the thing I noted about Alex Newark. It's really easy to watch Alex Newark play and say, wow, he flies. He is really fast. He's got skill. He can shoot. He can score. He can set plays. The details have really stood out to me. His tracking back on the puck, his ability to turn pucks over in the neutral zone and transition them the other way, that's a big part of the way Montreal plays, and he fits in well with that. Getting an opportunity to play with Doc, I think they think the game at the same speed, and both of them uh, just have the ability to take the Canadians to another level, and especially in support of Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. If you want to see Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield really take off, they need that support underneath them, and and I think those two guys are capable of providing it. Absolutely. Check out the Q&A with Martin St-Louis with our guest Eric Engels. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight, and listen, I I know not to get ahead of ourselves too much, but... uh, Connor Bedard's on the horizon here at the Bell Center on the weekend, Saturday specifically, Hockey Night in Canada. I'm I'm sure that'll get a headline or two based on what we saw yesterday, and we'll see what happens uh, later on today with the Chicago Blackhawks and Connor Bedard. But you have a quick 30 seconds on, I don't know if you watched the game yet last night, but a quick oh, 30 yeah. on what you saw from Bedard, because Montreal is going to see him on Saturday. 
I think it's dangerous that he didn't score last night. I'd be uh, watching him tonight to see what happens. He has uh, just elite yeah. hockey sense, just elite hockey sense, and uh, he really appears to be a, a natural-born leader. And I'm excited to, as, as much as anybody. And I'll definitely be writing about him uh, this weekend. So excited to see him at the Bell Center. Bedard and Shen, the Chicago Blackhawks face off against the Bruins this evening against Montreal on Saturday. Thanks, Eric. Always a pleasure, man. Have a great season, Jeff. I'll be listening and watching. And you'll be on the show, too. We'll drag you back, kicking and screaming. Uh, Eric Engels covering the Montreal Canadiens at Sportsnet.ca. Time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. With that, we'll bring aboard Matt Marchese. Hey, Matty, thanks for saving the show yesterday. Hey, that's what I'm here for, buddy. You're a good safety net to work with, Marchese. It's only a matter of time, but right now you're a great safety net. Uh, what are we looking at today? So uh, Toronto Maple Leafs hosting the Montreal Canadiens, as you just spoke about. Um, some interesting trends here yeah. for this one. The home team has won 12 of the last 13 regular season matchups between these two teams dating back to the 2021 season. Uh, Toronto has won the last seven mm-hmm. at Scotiabank Arena against Montreal. And in five of those They've won by three or more goals. Uh, The under has hit in seven of the last eight games in Toronto. The puck line currently set at minus one and a half for Toronto. You know, with the Maple Leafs this season, it's it's fascinating. First of all, I, I don't think that the blue line that we see now is going to be the blue line that we see at trade deadline time. Uh, I don't know how profoundly different it will be, but make no mistake, it will be difference um i'm one of those people that thinks that by the end of the season uh joseph wall is a starting net minder for the maple leafs heading into the playoffs and the blue line looks profoundly different and the the one thing that has been noted before you know brad Treliving um has you know started to put his accents on the team in the offseason certainly and will continue to do so and the one thing that we always point out is when Brad Treliving makes a deal, he always tries to grab a defenseman. And we saw that with uh, the Matthew Kachuk deal. And here comes Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. Like, he's always looking to add. Like, he loves building his own blue line. So I, I, I really wonder what this Maple Leafs blue line is going to look like. I don't know that there are any sacred cows on that blue line. I think he's open and amenable to talking about just about anybody on that back end, I mean, the forward group is the forward group, but the back end seems to be the uh, the main area of concern, and I think we'll get the uh, the most attention from general manager Brad Treliving. Uh, for Montreal, like, I love the way Martin St. Louis has handled this team. Uh, curious to see whether he can unlock the potential and continue to unlock the potential of Kirby Doc. Um, and Alex Newhook as well, specifically coming over in that trade with the uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Um, this is going to be a real interesting team. I don't know what it means for them to take the next step. Like they may take a next step, and it not, doesn't feel like a next step because this is a division. Even though there are major injuries, I mean, Florida's down their top two defensemen. Uh, the Boston Bruins had their top two centers retire. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are down their top goaltender. Like all around the Maple Leafs uh, and the Montreal Canadiens, there you might look at and you say, "There's some opportunity here." Uh, because a lot of players are either hurt or retired, but Buffalo is going to be in there making some playoff noise. The Ottawa Senators are going to do same. There are some, and I'm not one of them, that are saying the same thing about the Detroit Red Wings 
it's going to be tough that if Montreal is able to take another step in the maturity, that it is obvious in the standings. But we'll see. It's always a tough opponent for the Maple Leafs. And look, man, it's the classic rivalry. It's, um, as I like to always joke about, it's not the original six, folks. It's the original one, the Montreal Canadiens. Everybody else is an expansion team. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. Gord Stella coming up in hour two. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Let's get right to Gord Selleck here. Only a few moments left in the uh, the broadcast and want to get as much Gord time in as possible. How are you today, Gordy? I'm great, Jeff. You? Uh, I'm doing well. It is uh, day two of the NHL season. It is uh, day one uh, of the NHL season for seven Canadian teams. And we talked to Eric Engels in the first hour about the Montreal Canadiens. They're half of the uh, the classic rivalry tonight, the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, Brad Treliving comes in and has, has shaken a few things up, and I personally don't think that he's done. I think this Maple Leafs blue line uh, will look much different come trade deadline time than it, than it does right now. But what are some of the questions that you have? I mean, there's the game tonight, but the big picture here. What are some of the questions that Gord Selleck has for this year's edition of the Maple Leafs? Well, first I heard you and Greg talking, and, you know, Kyle Dubas has a new venture in Pittsburgh, and I, I, I think that's one of the better shaking things. I think it was time for him to move on. I think I think uh, the general manager change is a, a positive thing just about how many times they went to the well and couldn't get to where they want to get to. So, you know, somebody new coming in, mm-hmm. someone different. Austin Matthews didn't leave town because there's a new general manager. So you've seen, you know, obviously some of the imprints that he put in about uh, some sandpaper, some grit with some of the moves. We expect that another defenseman or two or something will be done around the defense core by the trade deadline. But I, I just, I, I also think, Jeff, that, you know, and this isn't for Dubas or, or, or Treliving or whomever, that, this young group's become the leadership group. I mean, they used to bring in Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton and, you know, Patrick Marlowe and yeah. whatever it was, you know, to be a leader there. And I kept thinking, well, what's, what's wrong with you? Why, why can't these young guys, you know, or at least outwardly, appear to embrace the fact that they are the team leaders along with being the team core? And, I, you know, I've really seen a lot more of those kind of positives. Um, you know, what, one of the things that we, we do wonder about is expectation, Gord. And, you know, Elliot and I were in Edmonton a couple of weeks ago and quite openly, like everybody from, you know, uh, Matthias Ekholm to the manager to the coach to, to everybody are, are saying like, look, this is, this is cup or bust season for us. Like that's where they're at. It is, it is Stanley Cup. That is the goal. That is the expectation. Is it same for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Essentially what I'm asking is, what's a good season for Toronto now that the the first round hurdle is in the in the rearview mirror? Yes, it's funny, isn't it? Because I don't know, we, we seem to... I would say we have the bar lower as far as expectations go. I mean, the only the only city, I think, still to have a city hall rally for a team that didn't win the Final Four all those years ago over the Los Angeles Kings, yeah. you know. So I think in our case, in Toronto, it's 
probably, I mean, hey, getting to the final, winning a Stanley Cup, I mean, that's the goal at some point. And I think talking to Doug Armstrong, you know, the general manager of St. Louis Blues, he's looked at it that as a general manager, you want to try to get your team by the first round more often than not. So you're down to the final eight. And then things can happen, like injuries go your way, pucks bounce your way, hot goaltenders go your way, indifferent yeah. to play by the other team goes your way, and you know then you're in it. And last year they were in it, and then they appeared to take themselves out of it the way they sh- they showed up or didn't show up for Florida initially. So I think you know just you wanna you wanna go out like that team did in seven games, you know, fighting, scratching, clawing. Barry Melrose's Los Angeles King team. Way back when, and and I don't know Jeff mm-hmm. about how do how do you better prepare over eighty two games for that? I think you want to make home a tough place to play because you play for home ice advantage, and really you haven't been all that strong at home traditionally throughout the playoffs. But you know that's the kind of habits you can put in place. I know Nylander's not playing center right now, but you've explored the option. Do you go deeper with three lines in the playoffs rather than sort of power two lines? So there's a lot of a lot of different variables that are out there that they can, if you want it for want of a better word, test drive in the regular season in a year. They have no business coming any less than first place mm-hmm. in the Atlantic Division. Well, and, and, and you can see the road for them here, right? I mean, the Boston Bruins are, you know, the top two centers retire. Uh, the Florida Panthers, uh, Aaron Eckblad and uh, Brandon Montour uh, injured to start the season. Throw Sam Bennett into that equation as well. Uh, the Andre Vasilevsky story with the Tampa Bay Lightning is well told. Like, the, the road is there. Um, the, the question that I have about or that I wonder about with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is coming off what we saw last year with the Boston Bruins, where it was, you know, all about, you know, setting records in the regular season and smashing the, the Montreal Canadiens records from the, from the 70s, is, you know, how do you balance, I mean, how do you find that balance between, an excellent regular season and still having enough juice to do something in the playoffs so you don't flame out early. Like, you know what I'm going for here? It's like, yeah. okay, yeah. I, I hate it when I hear coaches ask, you know, are you peaking too early? Because I'm just waiting for a coach to spit back like, yeah, we're going to start losing now so we can get our, maybe push our peak to the to the play. No one's doing that. Uh, it's one of my pet peeve questions. Oh, do you think they're peaking too early? Um, but how do you balance that? And and can the Maple Leafs balance that with this with this young leadership group? I find a lot of things in life, whatever, whether it's you're on a fitness thing or whether it's how it's going work-wise, that there, there, it's hard to find a middle ground as far, as far as where the tap goes. You know, once you start turning the tap off a bit, quite yeah. often it just it just stops. And I think to your point exactly, like you can't lay up, okay? Uh, but there's things that maybe <laughs> guys get less ice time. You, you play, you roll the lines a little bit more. You try a few different things uh, out during the course of the regular season. So Boston... And a few years ago, Tampa Bay had the best regular seasons in decades, and Tampa Bay got swept in four by Columbus. And, you know, you're alluding to what happened to Boston last year. So, I mean, I'm not saying go out and set records, but even Greg Cronin, the coach of the Anaheim Ducks, he says every game they want to win. Like, they want to go 82-0 and in Anaheim on a team that's rebuilding, not expected to make the playoffs. But when the puck drops... Like, you're trained to want to win that game and win as many of them as possible. So, I mean, that's obviously something they're going to continue to do. And I I don't know how do you interpret whatever you view as the hottest time in the regular season, the hungriest time in the regular season. And can you store that? Can you bottle that? Can can it be there, you know, when the playoffs? Well, no, you you learn that 82-game regular season, you've got to have that kind of consistency in a potentially 28-game Stanley Cup playoff where you really, really need it because the games are much, much different 
they're all important. Tonight, it is Toronto and Montreal, Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. When uh, And you've seen so many games between these two teams, Gord. Um, but are there some, is there an era that stands out? Is there a particular game, some particular players? You know, as someone growing up in, in Toronto, I can, you know, recall the watching the Maple Leafs in the playoffs getting pounded by the by the Montreal Canadiens, the, the flying Frenchman and that you know, insane blue line to say nothing about Ken Dryden and Nets. Um, is there a particular era, a year, some players that stands out when you think of the rivalry that is Montreal and Toronto? So, you know, Jeff, biasly, I'll go back to when, uh, when I worked for the Leafs because quite often than not, it was a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs. So your 82-game season, you had small victories. And some would be the games against the Montreal Canadiens. So say you played them four times, I, I think, you know, that would be kind of, it wouldn't be a Stanley Cup win, but it would be a game that kind of mattered and was a little bit different. And I, I remember the late Dan Maloney saying once uh, that team that won four consecutive Stanley Cups in the late 70s, that, and then the early 80s, kind mm-hmm. of that great team over then. He said, when, you know, you can always tell a morning skate how a team's doing. Like if they're loosey-goosey, having fun, you go, man, have they won five in a row? Yep. Another team that just looks like they're dragging their head. Have they lost five in a row? Yep, you can get by the mood. He said the Montreal Canadiens, it sounded different when they skated. Okay, the Guy Lafleur, Jacques Lemaire, <laughs> like they sounded different. They were mm. at such a different level that I, their blade hitting the ice. Now, it's probably all imaginary, but there's that mystique factor. And, and that's, the you know, of course, I'm a lot younger then. So there is that incredible wow mystique about this is the creme de la creme. Yeah. No, you know what though that does it's funny too cuz some teams and we you know we saw this with like the Red Army when they would when they would uh when they would come to North America like there were some coaches that wouldn't let their team watch the morning skate because they would intimidate you like you watch the Red Army skate like holy smokes like this is a this is a different planet like how how do you play hockey like this and there'd be some coaches that would say like look we don't want our players to watch the Red Army skate because they're in <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings you know when they were uh, at their at their apex, like they could intimidate you with their morning skate. It was so overwhelming. So I listen. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, only have about a minute here, and, and really not enough time. But talking to Greg Oshinsky about his colleague Barry Melrose with ESPN, diagnosed with with Parkinson's. That news hit us all really hard yesterday, Gord. Um, you know Barry Melrose. You watched him play in the NHL. You probably watched him play in junior. You probably watched him play in the WHA with the Cincinnati Stingers. Uh, we've all watched him on television for the last 30 years. You have a thought on Barry Melrose. Yeah, originally drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, so you know, not exactly the, the flying Frenchman-type player in that he, of course, went to Cincinnati at WHA. <laughs> no. um, I just, you know, first of all, as a player, when he got sent down to the American Hockey League, he was a real character guy. A lot of people get sent down and they're pissed off it's you know someone else's fault and they and the, and their attitude can yeah. be a negative there his was a big positive and that's why he grew into coaching so seamlessly he, he got to the memorial cup with medicine hat he won with adirondack in the american hockey league and he had that success with los angeles i just love his big smile i, I got to catch up with him a lot uh, yeah. 2016 the world cup of hockey here so he just had great stories he'd get that big laugh going before and uh, you know we're certainly pulling for him there's a lot of strides being made as far as Fighting the uh, disease go, yes. and we're hoping you know that'll come into a positive play for him. But spending time with his wife Cindy and family is his priority now, as he should be. But uh, everything you hear about him, like you know Jeff and the people out there, is one hundred percent true. 
Authentic. Uh, Gord, great words. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for stopping by today. Thank you, Jeff. The great Gord Stelic uh, stopping by and great ratchups tonight. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. A uh, number of Canadian teams in action. All Canadian teams in action underway at 6.30 with the pregame puck drops just after 7. Merrick Show back on tomorrow.